And good evening. Welcome to this special two-hour live edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. I'm joined in studio tonight with Gary Carnavelli. Hey. Welcome, Gary. Shad Reinstein's here. Buzz Hermes is here. Mary Moore Campagna is here. And then later in the show, we'll hear from Ellen Marymont Silver from Santa Rosa Junior College and Andrew Konigsberg, a Santa Rosa resident and board member from Transcendence Theater Company. We'll also talk with Bobby Joe Valentine, our local singer-songwriter who lost everything in the fire. Mm. But we hope you're all safe and sound now as we work to recover from the fires of the last two weeks. Our goal tonight is to share some stories with you, share some information, and words of gratitude to the first responders who risked life and limb to rescue people fleeing from the fires, as well as to save entire neighborhoods from mass destruction. You can participate on tonight's show by calling in with a question. We invite you to call anytime at 707-584-2020. That's 584-2020. We'll take your question, your comment, or your words of gratitude and share them on the air. But first, here's your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, October 22nd, 2017. This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of October 22nd, 2017. Last Monday, the New Yorker reported President Donald Trump once joked in private that Mike Pence, quote, wants to hang gay people. The story citing two anonymous sources said Trump enjoys needling the conservative former Indiana governor about his views on abortion and homosexuality. And when the conversation with an unnamed legal scholar turned to gay rights, Trump allegedly joked, don't ask that guy, he wants to hang them all, end quote. Perhaps linked to this joke, at Cleveland University last week, a flyer suggesting the same thing was discovered on a billboard in the main classroom building. On the same day, the university opened its doors for its new LGBTQ center. The flyer shows a silhouette of a man hanging from a noose, statistics on LGBTQ suicides, and the words, quote, follow your fellow faggots, end quote. At the bottom of the poster, the words, quote, fascist solutions, end quote, were printed. No individual or group has claimed responsibility. University officials said they removed the poster as soon as they were alerted to it and said they were investigating its source. The school's reasoning for taking down the flyer, however, has provoked widespread criticism on the campus. William Dubay, University Director of Communications and Media, told WOIO-TV that the flyer had been removed, quote, because proper posting procedures were not followed, end quote. He continued and said that if the flyer had been put up following the correct protocol, it would not have been taken down. In a letter to the school community last week, University President Ronald Berkman appeared to defend the flyer, saying the school would, quote, continue to protect free speech, end quote. And here in California, for the first time in state history, California will legally recognize a third gender option for residents who do not identify as male or female starting next year. Governor Jerry Brown signed the Gender Recognition Act this last week to make it easier for people to change gender on state identification and birth certificates by establishing a, quote, non-binary, end quote, designation. The law defines non-binary as an umbrella term for people with gender identities that fall somewhere outside the traditional concept of strictly male or female. This includes, but is not limited to, some transgender individuals who were born with intersex traits. Under the bill, the state registrar is required to issue a new birth certificate to California natives to reflect a gender change if someone applies and submits an affidavit attesting that the request is not for any fraudulent purpose. 
The law also requires the Department of Motor Vehicles to allow applicants for a driver's license or identification card to choose a gender category of female, male, or non-binary. And finally, the Human Rights Campaign released its 2017 Municipal Equality Index this week, which rates cities on their LGBTQ policies and practices. The average score for cities in California was 76 out of a possible 100. Nationally, cities averaged only 57. Here locally, Santa Rosa scored an 87 and Guerneville 100. For a calendar of LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. And welcome back to Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia here in studio with Gary Carnavelli and... A whole cast of guests here. Before we get talking about um, all that we have tonight for you on this special two-hour edition of our program, I thought I would give you a kind of a recap of where the fires uh, sit from the CAL FIRE website. This is their bulletin that they released uh, this morning. 6,000 firefighters are still here trying to contain 10 active wildfires. So it seems like the emergency might be over, but if you look at these numbers, there's still active fire burning uh, as they approach 100% containment. The Tubbs Fire, which has burned 36,800 acres, is 94% contained. 5,300 structures lost, and sadly, 22 civilian fatalities. The Nuns Fire, which is the other big one up here, 56,556 acres, 89% contained, 1,200 structures destroyed, and one civilian and one private uh, citizen fatality in that fire. And their, their last paragraph is, is talking about now the increase in expected winds in Southern California uh, as the Santa Anas blow through there. So the fire danger in California continues. I don't know about you, but I am completely exhausted from this last mm-hmm. two weeks. We were just talking about that. Weak and can't really sleep and can't really, don't really have the energy to do much. Um, and, of course, the cough... <laughs> I don't hear it from anyone else, but I may have a little spell here. I was going to try to remember to bring some tea for all of us, so maybe during the break. Um, but right now, let's have um, a little chat with Shad Reinstein. Hi, Gary. Hi. We talk all the time, so. <laughs> but I think Outwatch is probably Outwatch LG, Wine Country's LGBTQI Film Festival, sort of the first group who LGBT group that has said, let's start doing some fundraising. So why don't you talk a bit about that, Chad? Well, Gary, you st- actually started it by last um, last Thursday, well, uh, ten days ago Thursday, a week week ago Thursday, you. St- Drew, you know, drew together about a f- half a dozen people who were active in the community to talk about what we wanted to do, and Out We Out Watch has made the decision that all profits from our film festival will be a will go to the fire relief, and also that anyone it's a pay as you can that no one will be turned away for lack of money so that you don't have to say, oh, my house burned or anything like that. All you have to do is just come in and pay what you can afford for any of the films. Wow. The next week, we had three days ago, we had our second meeting. There were 22 people there. And we decided that we would, um, we broke into three groups 
and we had one that's going to decide how people are do- who are doing fundraising can s- can distribute that money. We don't want to create another wheel. So we're going to be talking with the giving circle of the LGBTQI giving circle was part of the Sonoma Foundation. There was another group of people that are talking about take, making a virtual um, LGBTQI community center so that there's a way to have a, a calendar to find out what's happening, to post things, that type of thing on it. And then the third group was meeting about what's going to, ha- how are we going to keep in touch with people who are falling through the cracks. The ones that we were talking about most specifically were how are we going to deal with the people like youth, seniors, undocumented gay people, the gay and lesbian, bisexual, trans people, and homeless people, and homeless people, right? Thirty percent of whom in this county. Um, are LGBT. Yeah. So uh, Buzz was at the meeting also. Buzz yes, I was. Here. Yes, yes, and um, had that beautiful virtual LGBTQ center idea, um, and everyone sort of pricked up their ears and thought, that's an amazing idea. Um, and talk a bit about that, Buzz. I was so blown away by the um, creativity and enthusiasm in the, that group, and... Um, I often refer to it as the rainbow phoenix rising. It's uh, just an amazing thing that's happened, and it reminded me a lot of um, how we responded to the AIDS pandemic, how we really uh, rallied the individuals and and used our imagination, our creativity, to uh, to respond. So, I think uh, this could be a good thing happening, and um, we just had the LGBTQ. Plus Summit, and um, I was part of the original planning committee of that, and um, the idea of a virtual center was one of the things in the back of my mind that might grow out of that, so the fire has actually maybe pushed it to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So um, I I can't tell you how excited I am about the idea that we right. will have a way to connect. Right. Yeah. Well, so many people want to help. I mean, that's what we hear from, you know, it, there were 20 people there as twice that many emailed me and said, I wish I could come. That's great. It's soon, like Greg said, the fires are still burning. So we, you know, we understand, but so many people emailed and said, I want to help. Let me know. I'll come to the next meeting. Please keep me in the loop. So, um, and this was your second meeting. That was the second meeting. Yes. Yeah. So, so again, this group came together the very first week as the emergency was still really clearly unfolding. Um, and said we need to take action right now, and I just that I think that speaks volumes right. about it does. our nature, but not unique, right? You you touched on it, Buzz. That's exactly what happened in the AIDS crisis when yes. when yes. President Reagan and the rest of this country was ignoring exactly. the thousands of people that were dying in crisis. It was our own community that came together to to help ourselves. Exactly. Yes, and I was impressed that there were. It was a very diverse group in terms of age and gender, mm-hmm. and, and so. Um, that's exciting to me. Awesome. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, really impressed. And we, we were there for two hours, and um, no one sort of complained. No one ducked out. Um, uh, we had a wonderful, productive meeting. Um, right, people of all ages. Yeah, and, and we want more folks involved. Um, so you can feel free to email me personally. Um, 
Probably the easiest is Gary at OutwatchFilmFest.org, or you may call me, 707-584-2006. I've got a big email list of about 30 names of folks who want to be kept in the loop. Um, And we're meeting again here at KRCB Thursday, so please come if you're available. And, and not just if you're available and, and want to help, but if you if you see a need and something we missed, we keep thinking, you know, things sort of pop into our heads. You don't even think of, like, what face-to-face had to do or what food for thought had to do, you know, immediately. So this is this is the our community responding to the needs of our community right now. And one of the um, the needs that arose was. Um, and it's probably too late now to do anything about it, but um, LGBT people are in the uh, evacuation centers and they're hiding, probably. Um, and it would be nice to have a presence there so they would feel they would have a safe place to come and talk about what they were f- experiencing. Right, right. And and some of the folks from Positive Images and LGBTQ Connection were had had been in some of the... Had they? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, or or saw the need and uh-huh. and brought up brought up the issue that you know you don't even really think about um, because depending where you are in this county, um, you may feel welcome as an LGBTQ person and you may not. Right. Um, I know that Eliseo was at the one at the fairgrounds and he was working. He's totally you know bilingual, of course, and he was working with the Spanish speaking people who were evacuated. And one of the things that's happening is that undocumented people were not, were afraid to go to the evacuation centers, and there were I've heard that there were a hundred people camping out at Dorn Beach, um, in big you know big groups at individual campsites and tents on the beach and that type of thing, because people were afraid if they were went to the center that ICE would pick them up. Right. And so that's one of the things that we need to be aware of when we're talking about that. Right, right. So, and I know that I know the the sheriff uh, Rob Giordano and uh, the mayor of San Francisco and uh, Santa Rosa and the mayor of other cities and um, uh, um, city um, or uh, county supervisors came right out so quickly and said. We are protecting undocumented folks. We, you know, we're we're not involved with ICE. We're not kowtowing to them. That is not a concern at this time. Um, so, uh, again, um, nice to be a Californian. Yes. Well, sure, and I think that's an important message to get out there to anybody listening who knows someone who may be undocumented who needs help but is afraid to come forward. The sheriff made it very clear that they are not going to. Uh, engage in any kind of cooperation with ICE or any kind of a roundup. There was another article in the San Francisco Chronicle this morning about that exact same thing. The sheriff has made it clear. And there's state law in California that prohibits law enforcement from cooperating Mm -hmm. with ICE now. So, you know, come forward and get the help that you need. Right. But still, the fear is out there. Um, You know, we've, we've all heard of some sort of camps of folks who are afraid to, mm-hmm. to go to evacuation centers some in Penaluma I've heard some other areas in, in Santa Rosa so um, you know the, the, these are these are the people that sort of need to for us to look out for them yeah. um, especially in a crisis like this um, who are really going to be impacted 
Um, if they're guest workers, you know, we, we, we've got, you know, an industry sort of thrown into turmoil. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and especially if uh, folks have lost housing, you know, that was somewhat affordable <laughs> at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now um, nearly 5% of, of the housing in Santa Rosa is gone. Yep. So what did we? What have we all heard about Fountain Grove Lodge? I, I think for people who may not have heard, it's nothing short of a miracle that the fire came barreling down Fountain Grove, but spared that particular complex. Everything else around it was destroyed, um, and everybody was evacuated successfully. I heard that. Um, have we heard anything else about that I facility? I have not. No, I've yeah. been curious about it. Right, right. It, 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 it's disconcerting when you know uh, you run a website and and <laughs> we have our little radio show that um, y- y- you don't always hear back from folks that you're concerned right. about. Um, uh, and you you know not that there are rumors, but you sort of hear indirectly. Oh, you know, uh, it's it's being taken care of. Fountain Fountain Grove Lodge was okay, and no structures were burned, which seems pretty amazing. It but. is amazing. <laughs> I, and I and I heard from re- one resident that they were expected to be out for three to five weeks while they did mm. some smoke damage. I did try to get a hold of their executive director up there, but I imagine he's pretty yeah. busy. Maybe if there's a resident there that's listening tonight, you can give us a call. 707-584-2020 and give us an update on what's going on with Fountain Grove Lodge. Right. We care about you. I was going to say I think that the Fountain Grove Lodge and the Alzheimer's Center are both built for out of brick so that they wouldn't burn. Mm. I was more concerned about the individual housings because I don't believe they are burned out of brick. And I think it's also amazing that they were able to get all of the Alzheimer's Center, that the Alzheimer's Center actually has, I've heard, has a higher residency rate than the lodge itself because there weren't that many places where it's safe for, you know, Alzheimer's queer people to go to. And getting those people out really fast would be much harder than getting people who have a sound mind or a relatively sound mind out of a place. Right. Right. Well, I think it's really terrific that you all are dedicating this year's uh, film festival to the fire victims. And I got a chance to scan the list of amazing films that are coming up. Talk about that a little bit. It, yeah. It's really got quite quite an extraordinary festival uh, coming up week after this, right? Well, I talk about, I fi- I th- I've been talking about it as the f- theme of the festival this year is resilience and transformation, which is totally appropriate for this time in Sonoma County. That we have, we're opening up in Sonoma at Sebastiani's with the untold tales of Armistead Maupin. Um, how can you not love the guy who wrote pa- Tales of the City? You see how he started out in the South and came to San Francisco and ended up creating Tales of the City, which documented what we were all going through then. Um, we're showing, uh, we're showing p- films that are talking about people of many different cultures and, t- and, p- and types who are going through transformation. Uh, we're doing a great historical doc called, um, called Lavender Scare, mm-hmm. which starts out in the 1950s when everybody was being fired by the government for being lesbian or gay and s- ends up with all of these people who were fired creating the first demonstrations in the 1960s in front of the White House. 
And, you know, we see the picture of those people marching in front of the White House in suits and, t- and heels and nylons. <laughs> but we didn't know that they had all been fired and said, well, if I can't be an astrophysicist, I'm going to be a gay activist. And that type of t- went from totally their lives being totally destroyed to doing things. We've got a film called Signature Move, which is about a closeted, an out, but closeted lesbian Muslim lawyer who works in the immigration community becoming involved with a Latina lesbian who's totally out into her family and the world. And so you're dealing with different cultures, Muslim and 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 Latina, but also different abilities to be out and around in public about themselves. So that, you know, and how their relationship works out and how they transform that relationship. Um, Saturday Church is a fun musical. It's about a young boy who has, who's being, having his after school care is with a born again aunt and who finds him walking around in nylons and heels, and he runs away to the piers of New York City and becomes part of a family that's led by a trans woman there and begins to deal with his own his own gender and sexuality. At that point, he's identifying as a boy, so I'm saying his. I don't know where he's going to end up. Um, and it's a musical. And if you remember Paris is Burning with Voguing, imagine a young kid doing singing and voguing in, uh, while he's running away from, to the piers of New York City. It's a fun film. Um, we're doing a group of lesbian shorts um, that are from all over the world and are fun and sexy and mind, you know, make you think. Um, after Louis, you should talk about After Louis. Oh, Harry. yeah. It's just, it's this incredible film that stars um, Alan Cummings. Um, oh, he's great. Yeah, he, he's great. And he, it's like Oscar worthy performance, in my opinion. You know, um, uh, you know, an individual my age <laughs> so i can really relate um a former act up uh activist and artist um who's trying to you know still dealing with survivor guilt and and the loss of his friends and um and then encounters a younger guy and they start a relationship and um clever clever incredible script um beautifully written nicely directed you know a nice s- small film we would call it but Big themes, big important themes. And they were showing that Saturday night at Third Street Cinema. And then the, on Sunday morning, we're doing a second showing of Untold Tales of Armistead Maupin in, C- in Sebastian, not Sebastian, in Santa Rosa. Um, so you get a chance to see it up here as well as down in Sonoma. Then we're doing two Spanish language films. We're um, going to be doing outreach to the Spanish language community. There will be English and Spanish translators there, as well as ASL translators. It turns out that for people who are deaf, they ha- they, most films don't have subtitles unless they're foreign language films. So we are bringing in an ASL interpreter for the opening and closing remarks, that type of thing. The first one is called I Dream in Another Language. It's so good, it got an award at the Sundance Film Festival. 
Um, it's about a man going into the mountains to preserve an indigenous language that's dying out. And there's only there's three people who speak it, and there two of them are men who have not talked in 40 years. And it's a gay film, so you have some idea what's went on, something, you know, 40 years ago. Right. Um, it's an incredible film. It's, it's an ama- so beautiful, be- oh my God, such a beautiful film, such yeah. amazing actors. It, it won an award at Sunglance. How can you not be great? Then the second one is Extraterrestrials. It's about a sexy vegetarian astrophysicist from Puerto Rico (laughs) who has not talked to her family in seven years. And she goes back to her family who happened to own a chicken farm. So that's good for Petaluma. And... She hasn't talked. She's a vegetarian. Her family raised raised commercial chickens. She wants to invite them to her wedding to another woman, but they don't know that she's a lesbian. So it's kind of a comedy of errors, but it really has this theme about how do you talk to someone's to your family when they don't know that you're gay or a lesbian or transgender, and come out to them in a way that they can hear it and not be alienated. So, and it's a fun film. Again, another really good film. It's, you know, beautifully shot, you know, and we didn't even know if we were going to get it or not because of course, Puerto Rico has been destroyed just before we had the fire. But at this point we are expecting to see the film arrive in our boxes any day now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, find out more about all the films at out, walk out, watchfilmfest.org um, you can buy tickets online get your tickets um, uh, nice and easy and again um, if you're affected by the fire and, and or just can't afford um, a ticket please uh, let us know at the door please show up and we'll take care of you um, we also distribute tickets to uh, many organizations and groups and social groups um, so that uh the folks um, who are unable to afford um, a, a ticket or two um, can still see these wonderful films. Uh, that's what it's about. We're trying to really keep our costs down. Um, and our sponsors have been wonderful. People are stepping up left and right. It's like one e- email, one phone call, and they're like, what can I do? What can I do? I want to help. That's um, great. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, really great. So, you know, mostly not exclusively lgbt owned businesses um and you know uh, everyone needs your support now i'll i'll get on my soapbox a little later about supporting local businesses maybe um but a little plug here um but well, this is a great opportunity if you've been displaced and you need a break come on down and check out a film if you were lucky enough to have your house saved, come down and support this film festival and support our local community. Of course, uh, living in Sonoma, we are so excited that you're <laughs> opening there at the Sebastiani Theater. It's a dream come true. So That's great. This is your fifth year doing the film festival, right? right? Yes. Terrific. Yeah, we started out at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts, um, yeah. and then we decided that you know, Sonoma County is so huge and so many people can't drive out to Sebastopol. There's not really good public transportation out there, especially on the weekends and at night. So we moved into Third Street Theater. There's parking right across the street from Third Street Theater, so you don't have to worry about that. And, you know, please come look at the website, 
Outwatch, O-U-T-W-A-T-C-H, Outwatch Film Fest, F-E-S-T dot org, or like us on Facebook where Gary does a great great <laughs> thing of keeping not only up about Outwatch, but about LGBT films all during the year. Terrific. And if you missed that website, we'll put it on our own website at OutBeatNews.com. After the show, you can click show notes at the top of the page and you'll find a link there to Outwatch Film Fest. I'm going to put a plug in for Josh Howard's Lavender Scare. We had him on when he first developed, started developing that film about eight years ago. And um, you can listen to that interview as well as our more recent one at OutBeatNews.com. Um, it's a terrific film. Yeah. It's very powerful. It's a great historical piece. Right, right. Really kicked off the LGBT uh, movement as yeah. we know it. Um, uh, incredible people. Um, and beautiful, beautiful film. And um, the distributors are giving giving us the film for free. That's great. Uh, when we, once we told them um, uh, it was basically a benefit for fire relief for mm-hmm. LGBTQ people. Um, so really thoughtful. Well, bravo. Congratulations to you. Well, one of the people, uh, one of the many people who lost their homes and really lost everything in the fire is our wonderful local singer-songwriter, Bobby Joe Valentine. We've had him on the show a bunch of times. He just released his brand new CD called Maybe Stars, and he's here with us now to share his story. Well, Bobby Joe Valentine, welcome back to Outbeat News. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I wish we were celebrating something more, but I guess there's a lot to celebrate because you're alive and I can hear your voice. I am alive. You know, my new CD is still out, and life is okay. Uh, yeah, and we have friends like you and many others. Yeah, there's a lot to be grateful for, despite the fact that we lost our house. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I saw those pictures on Facebook, and uh, just an absolute tragedy. We're sharing a lot of stories uh, over these last couple of weeks, and we would love you to share your story. Tell us about that Sunday night and what happened. Sure, yeah. So uh, we live uh, up in the hills of Napa, and uh, I was actually, we were out in Kansas City. My partner John and I were out uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. We were actually looking at a house, <laughs> um, and uh, all of a sudden at one thirty in the morning, we get a phone call, and uh, and it's John's son who uh, was staying on the property, and uh, he just says, the hill's on fire, and it was kind of obviously a shock and my uh, my sweetheart john just kind of burst into panic mode and uh we're sitting there it was so surreal because you know we were three we were thousands of miles away and we couldn't do anything and we didn't know how far away it was uh all we know is that you know the all the fires looked super close to everybody at the time you know because it's just such a bright red thing on the horizon and so we just kind of waited it out to see where it was going to go and and jeremy johnson uh took some things into a little cave in the mountain but he hadn't been doing it for 30 minutes when the fireman came and said you have to get off the hill and uh he immediately had to go and so he did uh we didn't know what happened until we landed in oakland so we got an early flight that morning back to oakland uh to try to get home to look to to get to the house and we land in the oakland airport and we get my phone buzzes with two text messages and it's the pictures that you saw online of our burnt house we'd been holding on to this little sliver of hope that maybe it hadn't reached us and obviously as soon as we saw that uh that was gone 
but I knew I couldn't show John uh, until we got off the plane. You know, we were still sitting on the tarmac, uh, and so I had to like hold that uh, until we got to the baggage claim, and uh, and then uh, John called Jeremy, and Jeremy told him, and and. Uh, and, you know, we both kind of broke down outside the baggage claim. And and, um, and that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And we luckily we had some friends in Petaluma. We could stay, we could go to their house. And uh, after we were told, the, you know, obviously we couldn't go there. Uh, it, our house had completely burned. It was completely gone, totaled. So we went to this uh, house in Petaluma, and that's where we're staying right now. And uh, we've just been kind of slowly trying to rebuild from there. Oh my goodness! I can't even imagine. It must have been horrible waiting on that plane and that flight to wonder what happened. Yeah, it was a rough flight. <laughs> yeah, in every sense of the word. So, was this the Atlas Peak fire that that caused the damage? Yeah, this was the Atlas Peak fire. Yeah, so and that we was one right of the peak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was one of the original ones that just sort of ripped through everything. I mean, very much like the fire that took Fountain Grove and Coffee Park on that Sunday night, the winds were so ferocious. You know, Tony and I have never witnessed winds like that ever. Oh, yeah. And it just bolted through and took everything in its path, and it sounded like the same thing happened uh, on Atlas Peak. Yeah, it was, it was, a, lot to, it was a lot to deal with. Um, and so we, we just kind of uh, have been taking it one day at a time. We have some wonderful friends who have come through for us. Some people started like a little GoFundMe and, uh, people have been super duper wonderful and supportive. Um, with that, which has been amazing. We had, uh, some people bring us clothes and one amazing person, uh, got me a a new computer. (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I I've been given a ukulele. Um, and so we have seen the kindness though, uh, through it all. We've been able to be receivers of a lot of kindness and we're very grateful for that well you do have a lot of wonderful fans that's for sure that is for sure and you know it's got to be the strength of your music that's helped get you through this as well talk about the concert that you did right afterwards Uh, um i had a whole weekend of shows actually um that that weekend and so um i just uh i actually had i think five or six shows and i just kind of went to them and played them and and uh you know it was interesting how many of the songs i had written i don't know it was really amazing how so many of the lessons in those songs prepared me for this fire and my new album uh maybe stars is really all about kind of like the search for contentment and finding contentment with with literally like yourself and nothing else like what you have inside your skin and being okay with just that Mm-hmm. And I never thought I would experience a test of that <laughs> of that album uh, so viscerally and so immediately. But but here it is. Yeah, I, I, it's it's been crazy. We're, we've kind of been at a loss for words a lot of the time because it's just such a crazy, incredible thing to think about everything you own that you're not having it anymore. So <laughs> we've been taking it uh, you know slowly as slow as we can. Did did you find the music? as you performed it to be painful or cathartic for you? Oh, it was extremely cathartic. Uh, yeah. The music has always been how I've said it is like, this isn't the first time I had to, that I've lost everything. 
And, you know, as you know about my story, you know, when I came out from a really conservative culture, I, I had to start over again with, with, like, literally me and my guitar and John. And so um, I kind of used music as a way to heal myself then and to figure life out again then. And so I'm, I'm using it the same way now. You know, it's always mm-hmm. been very meaningful, the, w- the way that I kind of reconnect to the world. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, that coming out process and experiences prepared you for the recovery from this. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it's it's remarkable how similar those two experiences are. The difference with this one is I still have all of my friends, right? <laughs> um, and that's just something like that's something I'm extremely grateful for, and and do not take for granted, and. Um, and so that's something I'm really clinging to is is all the friends that have reached out and given us love and and uh, been there for for us during this time. Mm. Really makes you evaluate what's important, right? Isn't that the truth? One of the things that is you know it'll land more later, but just realizing that we're able to wake up and go about our day and we're fine, and there was so much that burned uh, that I didn't need, and what I did need was all of my friendships that I, you know, I had at one phone call, I could call all these friends and catch up with them. And I let life become so busy uh, that I hadn't been doing that. And I hadn't been connecting with all the people that I loved. And so this was a huge reminder that when all these things pass, you could, if you go broke tomorrow, uh, there are still people around you who love you. And those are that's really what matters. And so I'm going to spend a lot more time instead of like, you know, I'm a workaholic. So instead of spending all of my time playing shows so I can, you know, get some more money to buy more stuff, I am going to spend a lot more time uh, being with friends and and spending time with people I love. So Mm -hmm. good for you. Sage advice for all of us, for sure. Well, we are going to take a music break, and I got to tell you, as I saw those pictures on Facebook, and we saw those while we were evacuated as well, the one song that you do that came immediately to mind is Home. Mm. So I think we're going to play that right now. All right, that sounds good. We drop like falling stars Bare feet and cable cars And we don't know who we are But we're not trying to find out We stare about the sun Look at the things we've done And my heart is on the run And it's not gonna stop now Oh, but Sometimes I wanna go home 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 Yeah
look at the mess we're in And I know somebody's gotta win But I'm not trying to win now Oh, but Sometimes I wanna go home Sometimes I wanna go home Sometimes I wanna go home That we've come this far And we don't know who we are We're afraid to find out Oh, but Sometimes I want to go home 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 local singer-songwriter Bobby Joe Valentine. He just released his brand new CD called Maybe Stars, and you can learn more about him and his music at bobbyjoevalentine.com. Really, really beautiful, huh? No. Bless his heart. How horrible. Yeah, you know, lots of bad news all around, but <laughs> like Buzz says, um, Phoenix rising from the ashes. That's huh? right. It's time for some rainbows, right? Yeah. After a little rain. <laughs> we got we got a nice a nice blast in in Sonoma the we other did, night. Yeah. yeah. Um so uh Buzz does incredible work. Um runs LGBT seniors discussion groups. He's got his aging gayfully um weekly sort of seminar program going in three different cities. Um so talk about both of those a bit Buzz. Sure. I I can't tell you how excited I am that the Santa Rosa Junior College's Older Adults Program has um, agreed to, uh, well, first of all, they want to reach out more to minorities. Oh, you're being modest. <laughs> <laughs> but are clamoring they, uh, to get you in, I'm sure. <laughs> well, they were so receptive, and I, it, it's a first for me as an older gay man to go walk in and have somebody say, we're so excited that you're going to be offering classes to LGBT seniors. So... Um, 
we were scheduled actually to start two weeks ago, and then of course the fire. So I have been meeting anyway with um, some of the people that um, I knew would be interested in participating in the classes, and we've been just processing um, how they've been affected by the fire and responding to it. Um, so uh, we officially begin those classes then uh, this coming week, and I, I have, um, as you said, have three in three different locations. So. We'll see what happens with the Finley Center, but I was scheduled to start there uh, Wednesday mornings at 10, from 10 to 12. If they're still an evacuation center, then we'll probably be moved to the Steel Community Center. Mm. Um, but uh, So that's 10 to 12 on Wednesday mornings, and then I do um, one in the afternoon from 2.30 to 4.30 at the uh, Sebastopol Area Senior Center. And, of course, they've been very LGBT-friendly for quite a while, so it's just another um, addition to their outreach to LGBT seniors. And then on Thursday mornings from 10 to 12, when Vintage House reopens this week... Um, in Sonoma. In Sonoma, we'll be doing a class there uh, Thursday mornings from 10 to 12. And... Um, I just wanted to share a little bit about how um, those discussions went that I've had these last two weeks. It's um, What I've been doing is tying it into the aging process. I say that aging, as much as we want it to be a slow fade, is more often a series of cliffs. So there are unexpected things that can happen. You might fall and break something, wind up in a nursing home for a couple of weeks. Um, your life is probably not going to be the same after that. So we need to sometimes uh, prepare ourselves emotionally um, for that, that to happen. And um, the other thing I was interested in finding out as we were talking about during the break is what people uh, who evacuated, what they decided was important. And people were saying the things that I've always um, thought were the most important to me I left behind. Mm. One woman said, for example, I've always, my life has been about books. I did not take a single book. But what they did take were things that were important to them at this stage of life. So one woman brought her art supplies because that's mm. what helps her feel whole, is to have something to do that's creative. Mm -hmm. Another woman brought some um, her favorite jewelry because that makes her feel... Um, it's her comfort to have those things um, to look at. And so uh, there were lots of surprises, I think, for people in this crisis that we learned. Um, but most of all, it was appreciating how precious life is, how vulnerable we are as we age. And I noticed that um, in reading the obituaries, or the list, I should say, of people who were um, killed in the fire, it was mostly older people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think possibly hearing loss and not hearing the warning signs, um, but also mobility mm -hmm. and not being able to move fast enough. So um, we were very aware in our discussions that we are, as we age, we become exceedingly vulnerable. And to honor that, find ways to work around it. Um, so... It, so far, I'm just really um, encouraged by the the response that mm -hmm. I've been getting. The other thing I do is I'm uh, we have a discussion group for LGBT seniors in Sonoma Valley that was started in 2009, 
at that time, um, Spectrum, the Center for LGBT Concerns, was still around, and they got a grant to start discussion groups for seniors in three counties, in three locations, I should say, Santa Rosa, Sonoma, and Napa. And all of th uh, the grant ran out. The facilitator, uh, who's a friend of mine, died about that same time. But all three groups are still going. So uh, we have strong, strong <laughs> under <laughs> your guidance. <laughs> the Napa group has come under the uh, wing of the LGBTQ Connection group, hmm. and um, the Sonoma and Santa Rosa groups are volunteer-led. So I'm a co-facilitator of the Sonoma Valley group. So we have monthly discussions, and then uh, in addition, we have activities. We often uh, have hikes. We have my co-facilitator leads hikes every month. And um, we, they're actually more like walks, but we call them hikes. And then, of course, we go to lunch afterwards so we can make up for all those calories we burned. And then uh, we have theater outings. We do. There's lots of connection that happens mm -hmm. in between. So, so that's what I'm about. Um, I'm so pleased to be able to do this. It comes from my interest in conscious aging and bringing that to my community. Buzz, I have a question for you. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking about a senior who may have been evacuated and is hopefully listening to our show, but feeling isolated and alone. How would they get connected with one of these groups? They can just show up um, at any of these, these three centers. Um, the registration process is very easy. And uh, it's, a, it's considered, a, it's called OA505, so Older Adults Class 505, which is part of a whole category of discussion groups that address different populations and different topics. So um, aging uh, gayfully at the Finley Center, if he lives, he or she lives in Santa Rosa, you know, is, is Wednesday morning from 10 to 12 or any of the other two uh, that afternoon or the next day. Is there a website or is the information all at Santa Rosa's JC's website? It's at the Santa Rosa JC website. Um, the, the senior centers can also have flyers up. Um, I can also give my phone number, and this person is welcome to call me at 707-227-6935. That's 707-227-6935. I'm happy to answer questions. And I don't pressure anybody to enroll. They can just come and listen that first class, make up their minds at the end. Great. And then you mentioned the LGBTQ Connection in Napa is coordinating the senior group there. Yes, they are. Yeah. So LGBTQConnection.org, I think, is the website, and you can go there and, and find out when the senior group meets in yes, Napa. Yes, they meet the first Tuesday of every month uh, from 10, 10, 15 to 12, yeah. Great. So this is not a time to be alone. This is a great time to connect. And so if you've been looking for an opportunity or waiting for an opportunity, throw the excuses aside. Reach out. Got connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably talk more about resources later on in the program, but um, I wanted to um, share those discussions we had after the fire because I thought they were very poignant and revealing about how we feel about our aging as LGBT older adults. And uh, one of the concerns people have, of course, is that often they don't have family so at a time like this when there's a crisis where people can often go stay with a, with a, 
brother or sister or mm-hmm. um, cousin. Uh, these are people that are, were on their own, and uh, and that's going to show up more and more as we age. So we need to be thinking about it and preparing for it as best we can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know the folks at Fountain Grove Lodge are certainly feeling fortunate because their building was spared, but then there, there's a whole population at Verena who is homeless. Yes. I, mean, I know yeah. that they've placed right. them in, in, in some temporary spots, but that facility was completely wiped out. Right. And certainly right. a lot of controversy around what happened there, which right. we won't speculate about, but, but, but the loss is tremendous. Yes, it is tremendous, yeah. And the people that live in nursing homes or assisted living homes are not often out because the staff are not always sensitive to uh, LGBT issues. So um, that's another thing we, we are working on. Mm-hmm. Our county um, adult and aging services is so eager to make sure that LGBT seniors are served that they uh, they got a grant three years ago to, from the LGBTQI Giving Circle to um, provide cultural competency training. Unfortunately, um, that was the nursing homes and assisted living homes were not included in that. Um, that's our next step: is to uh, make sure that all the staff are sensitive. Yep. Yeah. Super important. Have you heard anything about uh, Oakmont? I mean, Oakmont was spared from this with the exception of two homes, miraculously. Yes. That huge community yeah. was spared. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of LGBT folks that live out in Oakmont. Have you been in touch with any of the groups out there to see how they're doing? I have not. Um, there is a large women's group out there, the Rainbow Women. Um, I often go to their concerts. They're wonderful. And... Um, so they're pretty organized, I think, in terms of supporting one another and in processing what that was like um, for them. I'm not so sure about the men. Um, I think some of them belong to the Golden Guys, but not probably not all of them. And so it's it's harder for the men, it seems. And we were talking on the ride over here, uh, Gary and I, about um, how we are, even though as gay men we like to think that we are... Um, sensitive and um, that we have our, our feminine side is more developed but we were trained to be men we're conditioned to be men and so we don't share feelings mm-hmm. and connect with each other at a deep level sometimes hmm. yeah I, I mean I'm trying still I've been trying to reach folks that I know that live in Oakmont that I haven't heard from and I mean getting a bit worried I mean I, I know homes weren't <laughs> destroyed but people being displaced it's 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 sort of nerve-wracking um in older folks um one gentleman who just moved in about six months ago so um not a nice welcome to the to sonoma county um from from the southlands um I'm I'm sure they're okay, but you know it's it's difficult to know what what it's like there. You know, I heard obviously like our homes in Sonoma still very smoky, still uh, trying to clean up. Um, I, that's that's pretty much your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We live right behind it. And, yeah. And uh, yesterday was really the first clear day. Mm. It was it was actually spectacular. Wow. It, right. It was, the air was fresh. Um, it was a very very clear smoke free day wow. out there. Uh, but then you look up at Sugarloaf and Mount Hood, mm. and all of it is black. And then you look out towards Annadale. We took a hike up there today, and it's all black. Uh, Oakmont literally was surrounded by mm-hmm. fire. 
Gosh. on every yeah. side of it. And mm. I, I still, I tell everybody that I, I come in contact with, I still am totally surprised that only two homes were lost. Mm. Mm. The, 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 the magnitude of that disaster there could have been right just as as bad as coffee park was and we were so incredibly fortunate yeah the firefighters yeah. got up there and they really did an amazing job right you we know there um i wanted to share too that there were the people who were um affected directly by the fire some didn't make it they were killed and by the fire but i wanted to share that there is um there may be people out there who had who suffered because of the power outages. And I'm thinking of a, of a friend of mine who um, was not LGBT, but she was a wonderful friend, ally, and um, a friend of the homeless as well. And she was in her 80s, and her power was out. And um, we think that she tried to get out of bed and find her walker and couldn't and fell mm. and died. Um, mm. As a result of the power outage, and I'm guessing there are probably others out there who indirectly suffered or died because mm-hmm. of the the lack of power. Yeah, I don't think we have a full measure of the casualties in this in this disaster yet at no. all. Yeah. There'll be stories like that that will continue to emerge. Right, right. Yes. Great buzz. Well, thanks so much. I know you're going to stick around because yes, we've been together, so um, we'll chat uh, a little later. Good. Thank about you. some additional topics. Thank you. Well, Mary, do you want to do some underwriting for us? I certainly do. We want to remind you that support for Outbeat Radio on KRCB-FM comes from our members and from Sonoma West Publishers, bringing you the Sonoma West Times and News, the Healdsburg Tribune, the Cloverdale Reveille, and the Windsor Times, providing independent journalism and local community conversations in print and online at sonomawest.com. Perfect. And it is just before 9 p.m. You're listening to Radio 91, 91.1 KRCB-FM Windsor and 90.9 K215CQ Santa Rosa. We are going to go into our second hour of Outbeat News in Depth on this special edition covering the recovery from the fire. So please stay with us. In the next hour, we'll hear from Ellen Marimont silver Director of Communications and Marketing from Santa Rosa Junior College, and Andrew Konigsberg, a Santa Rosa resident who survived the fire and who's on the board of the Transcendence Theater Company. But first, let's take a music break. Here's Annie Lennox with her amazing rendition of Bridge Under Troubled Water. When you Can't be found Like a 
If you're just joining us, you're listening to a special two-hour edition of Outbeat News in Depth and our continued coverage of the North Bay's recovery from the fires. I'm Greg Morelli, and here tonight with my co-host, Gary Carnavelli. With us now is Ellen Marymont-Silver. She's the Director of Communications and Marketing for Santa Rosa Junior College. Ellen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Greg. Well, I know you've been working nonstop for the last 14-plus days uh, at SRJC, and the the college has just been a tremendous resource to this community. I, I saw immediate notifications going out about services that were available, and I would love to share that with our listeners. So take us back from the beginning and talk about some of the amazing things that the JC did for this community. Well... I was so impressed, and I'm still so impressed by how quickly things have come together. We did a huge healing event at the college. We uh, had we've been nonstop updating websites and social media, and we send internal uh, staff emails every day, and we text and email students every day to say, "Here's what we have for you." We opened student resource centers within a couple of days for on both the Petaluma and Santa Rosa campuses, and they, there were extensive support services. And then now we just keep adding to those services because students are, and, and faculty and staff, too, are going to be needing help for a long time. You know, I worked at the Red Cross for a decade, and one thing I know from that is that these things go on for months. But what's wonderful is that the JC is totally dedicated to getting everyone as back to normal as possible with extra funds for people, with extra support, with extra love. I mean, really, I felt like the last week was just filled with love. So I might have been working really long days, 
but it was so satisfying to know how many people we were helping. Well, and that you did. Do you have some sense about how many students and faculty were impacted by this fire in terms of losing their homes? Yeah, tragically, well over 500 students have lost their homes. I think it's at least 510, and we're doing one more survey this weekend, so that we expect the numbers to go up. 61 faculty and staff. We also have a number of retirees, people we really love and treasure, and I don't have the numbers on that, but it's it's really mind-boggling for our community, which is basically 30,000 people at any one semester. You know, we have 26, 27,000 students and 2,500-plus uh, staff, and then all the retirees and the community supporters and all. But, but of our just that group of students, faculty, staff, current, it's really mind-boggling out, out of that number. That's a huge number. And so the JC resumes classes this Monday as students come back. Talk about some of the services that are available. I mean, as a teacher myself, I'm thinking, first thing, textbooks, computers that were lost. Exactly. So we have so many avenues, starting from the California Community Chancellor, Eloy Ortiz Oakley, who came for a visit last week to tour the fire-affected areas to offer his support, to give us suggestions about what we could do and how he can help us and how his entire office can help us. And by the way... The main public information officer that I've been dealing with at the Chancellor's office, office, whose name is Paige Marlatt Door, she's an SRJC grad, and her family is here, and some of them have lost their homes. So we've had a, just on every level, we have a direct line to the Chancellor's office. So he's offering us foundations that we can contact. He's going to bend over backwards to um, do what he can to make sure that some of the more restrictive rules that we can actually loosen up a little so that people just have a lot more leeway to finish the semester in good standing. What, what the great thing is, we've been doing a survey, and our Office of Institutional Research is incredible, and they did, started a survey a few days ago, and we so far have about 11,000 students have responded to that, which is a wow. really large number in four days, and we'll have one more response on Monday. Even though so many have lost their homes, 78%, 79% have said they're ready to come back to school on Monday, and they want to. And the faculty is the same way. They want to get back to it. They're so eager to get together. And so one of the main services is that we're encouraging students and faculty to get in touch with each other. And that they get support from their deans and their department chairs. So that's a really important thing is just to make sure they're in touch because faculty have you know their own relationships with their students, and we honor that. So I told you we had a healing service. We have counselors on staff, of course, but we have more people to help. We have many, many avenues. Now, the biggest resources, are, I think, are on our website, where if you go to um, go to the homepage at sandarose.edu, you'll see a fire response update. And we're updating that every day. And on the left, you'll see help for students and help for faculty and staff. So if you look at the help for students, you'll see that we are providing admissions and records, and uh, student government is involved helping, uh, financial aid, all of the things, every center from Petaluma and Santa Rosa to the Southwest Center in Santa Rosa, and we also have Sean Farm and the Public Safety Training Center. And I want to mention something about our Public Safety Training Center because it's not well known. So that's a regional training center. There's no other training center like it nearby, and we train thousands of uh, firefighters and EMTs and police, and and you can speak more to that, Greg, because you have that background, but 
what we did was we didn't let any classes open all last week except for certain academies in the Public Safety Training Center because those people needed to get finished and get back out to relieve the firefighters and police who are out there now. Yeah, yeah. I have to say it was really quite rewarding to see a lot of students that I had the pleasure of teaching outworking this disaster. They came up from all over the Bay Area. And so, you know, our community was filled with people that SRJC's Public Safety Training Center has trained. These are the folks that were out there saving lives. So that was quite gratifying. You and I, before we started talking, we talked about some of the things that people didn't know happened. And one thing that got some press in some communities was that we fed thousands of people in conjunction with Sonoma Family Meal, which was yet another one of those things that popped up because there was a need. And uh, Heather Irwin, the Franchetti's Restaurant, Worth Our Weight, many, many famous chefs in the Bay Area and locally Sonoma County got together, made these incredible meals and gave them away twice a day, lunch and dinner for four days. And unfortunately, or fortunately, we have to get back to class, so we can't keep doing that because we need our facilities But thousands and thousands of people were fed, and no questions asked. We didn't ask if you were an evacuee. We didn't ask if you lost your home. We didn't ask if you were just tired of cooking because you're hosting a bunch of other people in your house. Everybody came and ate. That is tremendous. Just tremendous. It was great. It was to go, too. So we didn't have a table set up, or it wasn't a dining experience. It was like, get home to your family and feed them. Awesome. Really, really great. So talk about this week. Students are going to be returning to class on Monday. And so what will be available for them, uh, for those students maybe who haven't been on campus yet and need help? Well, uh, and first of all, for everyone to realize, there was no physical damage whatsoever at any SRJC facility. Now, I can't talk about the air, right? The air blew by. But we've done a lot of air testing, and the air is very good at all of our facilities. So we're very, and we're gonna to continue to test inside and out, but the numbers are extremely good, way better than if you lived in any major city, okay? Great. So we're, we're feeling really good about breathing. We have a grant fund, which the Santa Rosa Junior College Foundation started off with a, their own gift of $100,000. Exchange Bank kicked in $50,000, and that's separate from the Doyle, right? That The Doyle scholarship people know about, but that's an extra 50 for, people who've lost their homes, who are students or or faculty or staff. That um, relief fund is firerelief.santarosa.edu. And anybody who has $10 or $1,000 to give, please give to that because students have such a tough time in this county, right? First of all, they have to find a place to live. Now they don't have a place to live, many of them. Second of all, they have to be able to pay for that place to live. Maybe their job that they've been, their two jobs that they've been holding down The boss lost his home, so that's not happening. The restaurant is no longer open because that burned or the winery or whatever. So now they've lost a job, and then they lost their laptop, their textbooks. I mean, it's just really, really tough. And these students are of every age. Yeah, there's a lot who are 18 to 24, but we have people in their 50s and 60s, and everybody is going to need some help. So we're doing a lot. For example, our bookstore is now run by a company called Follett, and they've donated $20,000 in textbooks just off the no, bat. That's great. Yeah. And we are also looking at many at getting free laptops from a number of sources. So we all the administrators and managers are looking into these things uh, so that we can get everyone back on their feet as soon as possible. We do have some loaners. Those will go very quickly because we certainly don't have enough loaners for everyone as far as laptops. Some students will show up their class and... 
their teacher will be there and it'll be great. They may show up at a class and the teacher isn't there. They have signs at every door. They say, come to Bertolini Student Center, meet with a counselor, meet with someone who can help you out. And we have a lot of scholarship money. So financial aid is ready to give out money. Uh, we've already been giving out a lot of grants of $500 really quick to get people on their feet, but there will be other money available. So we're doing everything we can. There will be food. Uh, parking is free all week. So nobody has to worry about parking. That's always a big concern. Uh, I believe that city buses are running again, so that will help a lot of students uh, to get to get to class, at least in Santa Rosa. And as I said, uh, Petaluma, the biggest effect for Petaluma was providing services for so many people who showed up who were evacuated from Sonoma. We have provided uh, showers for them in our fitness center, and we're doing a lot of work in Petaluma. Uh, the staff there has been absolutely as wonderful as the staff in, in Santa Rosa. Everybody's been incredible. It's for me, it's been the most moving experience of my working life, and I've been working a long time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And so the message I hear from you is to students, show up Monday, get back to class. This is not the time to drop out, that there's lots of flexibility, that the college is ready to accommodate and support you with services and to help you get through this semester. Perfectly said. And we do. We have heard from some students in their comments on the survey, well, I'm going to drop out. And we're writing back to those students and say, please, don't make a de decision now. Let, let's give it a try. Okay, we want you. We're here for you. Don't give up yet. We really want you to finish your education here at SRJC, and we're going to help do everything we can. And I, I love what you said, Greg. Perfect. Great. So there's money, there's food, and there's potentially laptops and textbooks that can be loaned or granted to students. There's no reason to leave now. So get back to school on Monday. Right. Even if it's hard, even if it's hard, let us support you. Well, and the fact that there's so much community there, I know the faculty is going to be ready for students. Uh, and I just think being together is going to be really much better than being alone. Oh, so. it, it's so powerful. It really is. And we know that all of your listeners know that because they're part of this community too. Outstanding. Well, Ellen Marymont Silver, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And thanks for all the great work you're doing at SRJC. And same to you, Greg, and thanks to all the people at OutBeat. I love you to pieces. Yesterday I had a chance to meet up with one of my neighbors, Andrew Konigsberg. He and his husband Rob live on a street where firefighters took a stand to literally save their home. He's also a member of the board of directors for the Transcendence Theater Company based in Glen Ellen. I'm here with uh, Andrew Konigsberg. He and his husband live in a house that borders Annadale State Park. And we were just walking around the house before starting this conversation and looking at where the fire came within 10 feet of the house. Let's go back to Sunday night. I mean, we're sharing stories tonight. When did you first discover that there was a fire in the area? Well, I woke up uh, actually out of a sound sleep, uh, 12.30 uh, that Monday morning, with the smell of smoke. Uh, now, not uncommon for us to, you know, smell smoke. We had the windows open. It was a cooler evening, but um, there were certainly a very heavy smell. And that was unusual. So I uh, woke up and, of course, checked in the immediate uh, in the house and then the immediate yard to see if there was a fire right here on our property. And, of course, that wasn't the case, at least yet. And from there, I uh, started immediately looking on social media and, uh, and on, on various websites, including the newspapers in town, and uh, noticed that there was a fire up at Calistoga, but then I quickly noticed that there was a fire also going on down here in Kenwood at uh, in Lawndale Road, which is uh, fairly close to us. 
Um, so immediately I, I woke Rob up and uh, we uh, went ahead and started talking about what to do and started texting various people and we started packing bags um, very quickly. Did it, ever, did it ever occur to you what the magnitude of what eventually happened was actually going on? Did you, did you think about that at the time? I mean, you were, you were thinking about leaving, but could you imagine the scope of what actually did happen happening? No, I think uh, from the conversations I think we've had with many friends and, um, and uh, folks around the area, I don't think anyone could have predicted the magnitude of what happened um, and how quickly it occurred. Buying a home here in, in this area, you know, we, were, we knew that fire uh, certainly was something to be concerned about. Uh, but we felt very comfortable that, uh, based on what we had been told, that there, uh, you know, the, the chance of that was fairly low, at least in recent years. Uh, but certainly something to be aware of, but certainly not in the magnitude of, of what occurred. Uh, when uh, we, we drove after we left our home, we couldn't uh, obviously... Uh, go down towards uh, Sonoma, so we went towards Santa Rosa. And uh, when we saw the magnitude, the glow of of what was happening uh, up on top of Fountain Grove uh, in that vicinity, uh, it was shocking, just completely shocking. So part of what we're talking about tonight is lessons learned and things you would do differently. Had you and Rob talked about this as a possibility and made some plans, or were you making the plans up that night as you went? Well, I joke that uh, Rob is uh, uh, an eagle was an eagle scout. I guess you say he is an eagle scout, um, and so he he of the two of us, he's the one that's uh, usually most prepared. Uh, and I think that uh, we had talked about emergencies and what to do, uh, more about earthquake emergencies. Uh, so we did have things like flashlights in our nightstands. We um, uh, had already talked about uh, where to go and get documents. We had everything in one place so we could grab uh, things. So I, uh, we had bottled water already ready to go. Uh, and it was just a matter of just, you know, packing the necessities because we didn't have very much time. So it was just grab a few, some clothes, throw it in the bag, and go. I remember the one point as we were leaving our home, we were standing both together in our family room, and we, we said, okay, is there anything else that we want to take with us? Uh, any, any keepsakes, uh, anything else? And we looked around, and we both sort of looked at each other's eyes, and, and we felt as long as we have each other, we're okay. We can replace everything. Certainly there's a lot of memories, even in the short time we've lived here. But in the time we've been together, we've collected a lot of things in our travels, and we just didn't have the room. So we just thought, well, we're young enough. We can, we can relive those memories again. So at that point, had you been given the evacuation order, or did you leave sooner? Did you leave before the cops were knocking on the door? Uh, it was before, uh, because I think it was actually uh, another three or four hours before that was even being con- strongly considered for our neighborhood. Uh, but because of the uh, closeness of the fire in our area um, and how quickly it seemed to be going, and the broad scope of it, uh, that it, was in, it had ignited in multiple places, uh, was uh, a bit... Uh, nerve-wracking and scary. So that was really what prompted us to, to get out. And, um, and, and the folks that we were texting with uh, encouraged us to also get out. Yeah, I think that was probably a smart move. So talk about what you found in terms of places to go and, and support. I mean, it seemed like this community came alive pretty quickly to help evacuees. What did you find? Absolutely. In fact, we went to a, <clears throat> a friend's house uh, 
who serves on a nonprofit board uh, called Worth Our Weight uh, here in Santa Rosa. And uh, very quickly in the morning hours, it was decided that uh, Evelyn Cheatham would open up and, uh, you know, uh, serve the community and, and welcome people to come. And, uh, and so we immediately, uh, later in the morning, went uh, as soon as she was uh, there uh, to help out in any way we could. And, um, and I'm glad we did that because she was in need of supplies. And so she sent us with a, a shopping list. And we went out and, uh, and found, uh, you know, whatever she needed and brought it back, along with a lot of other folks as well. We weren't the only ones, but um, happy to be there and peel potatoes and, uh, and help out. And actually, uh, we, while at the time that we were there, there was a number of folks that came in and um, sat down and um, had some conversation. And, and we had some folks that really had, been, had lost their homes. I don't think anybody thought at that moment how long we were actually going to be gone um, and prohibited from going back. I mean, you left voluntarily at the time, but by the time the fire progressed, it became a mandatory evacuation, and then then you were basically locked out for several days. So talk about that a little bit. What, what, was, the, what was the plan for you? We really didn't have one. I mean, that was one of the things that I think uh, for the future is to make more of a plan of, uh, you know, talking with friends out of the area and, and finding out who would be available to take us in. Um, and so we, we helped out as long as we could, and then we realized that things were somewhat going in the wrong direction late in the day, especially in Santa Rosa with the Bennett Valley fire coming closer. And so we, we headed south, and we uh, talked to some of our friends that lived down uh, uh, south of the city, and they were thankfully able to take us in. We do have a dog. Uh, many hotels uh, in and around San Francisco, some do take dogs, but it seemed like uh, we were hitting blocks with finding uh, proper accommodation because uh, we have a, a 85-pound puppy named Carter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not every hotel wants to uh, take in a dog of that size. So thankful to our friends, Jane and Chuck, uh, who took us in and, uh, and made, our, uh, made their home our home, at least for... A number of days. So you're in the South Bay, you know, thinking about the North Bay. Uh, talk about your experience with communication from the county and the city. Were you getting regular updates? We were primarily uh, streaming some of the uh, local radio stations here in the area, just trying to get information. I, and it became uh, very aware that Sheriff uh, Giordano was. Uh, was starting to do press conferences, which was very helpful. And so we started to listen in on those uh, as they were happening. Uh, and that helped. And then, of course, there were all the social media. But frankly, uh, the bulk of the information in the early hours was really coming from uh, various people f- uh, that are friends of ours posting a, a post on, on social media, giving live updates as to what was happening. Some of those were accurate. Others may have been slightly exaggerated. Um, which is unfortunate, but that's sort of what happens in these uh, kinds of situations. Uh, But as the week went on, uh, we found that uh, it seemed that the the county and the sheriff's office uh, uh, and and Cal Fire from the state seemed to find find their footing and uh, were joining efforts better to provide uh, more clear information, which was very helpful to us, especially since we were out of the area and couldn't just turn the radio on and listen to the uh, to the stations. Um, and so um, I also want to say that uh, there were a number of radio outlets, uh, no, I mean, television stations down in the San Francisco 
uh, Bay Area that uh, were that had uh, correspondents up here, even in our neighborhood, that were tweeting, uh, providing uh, specific information was was extremely helpful uh, personally for us to find out information about what was happening right where we lived. In fact. Uh, our street was on the uh, on those news outlets quite a few times because the fire w- threat was pretty great for a number of days uh, right behind our house, as you said. Must have been a roller coaster. You know, you'd see what looks to be good news and then nighttime comes and you see these images of orange glow that looks like the fire is right on top of your house. Yes. Uh, and and from, <clears throat> from our perspective, uh, I think that where the scariest uh, point of the whole... Uh, that whole time period was uh, that next weekend when we kept hearing about this red flag warning about the winds, uh, that they were forecasting the winds to pick up again. And we knew that the, the, the numbers that CAL FIRE was providing was uh, very low, if not zero, containment of these fires. Uh, very scary. Um, lost a lot of sleep uh, those nights. Yeah, I remember one of the, the moments for me uh, that felt very defeating was when I heard about the fire across Highway 12 above St. Francis Vineyard at the end of Pythian. Uh, That was a new one that broke out, and it seemed to grow pretty quickly, and it was always described as being a tough fire to beat. And at that point, you know, the community of Oakmont was really surrounded on all sides by fire. Scary indeed. Uh, and, and from our perspective, uh, it was, I think, the, almost what was described as the worst-case scenario. Uh, um, and I don't know that people would have, professionals uh, that specialize in this area could have predicted uh, that scenario. And uh, thank goodness uh, the winds uh, did not pick up as greatly as they had anticipated. Uh, and they were able ultimately to get those fires under control. I know there's a lot of... Uh, discussion right now about how these fires uh, could have started uh, in so many places at once. And so uh, and there's a lot of investigations happening. And, you know, I think the, the, the one of the things I think we should be very thankful about in our neighborhood is the fact that uh, the uh, PG&E uh, utility lines are actually underground. I'm extremely thankful uh, on our street that we had that. I, I don't, I, I, I shudder to think about what this scenario would have been if we had had exposed power lines on our street, I don't think our house or our neighborhood would still be here. Yeah, I don't think it would either. And I agree with you. That's that was of of, of great significance, especially that sun, first Sunday night when it was so windy. When it was so windy out. Well, the good news is your house is standing. It's unscathed, and you're safe. And, and we're thrilled about that for sure. Uh, one of the other roles that you have is that you're on the board of the Transcendence Theater Company. Um, so for our listeners who may not be familiar with Transcendence, first tell us about that and where the company is located. Well, Transcendence Theater Company is based here in Sonoma Valley uh, in uh, uh, Sonoma and Glen Ellen. And we provide musical concert style productions all year round, but primarily in the summertime frame. We have four shows that take place from uh, mid-June all the way through mid-September uh, in Jack Lennon State Park, uh, which is right in the heart of Glen Ellen. And uh, we also uh, have a holiday show that takes place uh, here in Santa Rosa. And we also have recently added in the last year a spring show that takes place here in Santa Rosa uh, as well as down in Marin. And I've been to some of those shows and they are truly, truly amazing, really fantastic. And, and, and one of the things I think I appreciate about Transcendence is that they really do a lot of benefits for the community. 
It's not a for-profit corporation that's out there making a lot of money. They're out there giving back to the community, which is amazing. We know the Luther Burbank Center, portions of it were damaged. I almost hate to ask you about Jacqueline and State Park. How did it do? So, uh, first of all, reports have been extremely positive. Uh, we are uh, anticipating that everything is fine. We've heard early reports that everything up at the park is, uh, is, is great. So we are uh, full speed ahead and, and don't anticipate any issues whatsoever. Uh, same with the Luther Burbank Center. We understand that the fire, there may have been some damage, but uh, all, in, all indications are that uh, everything is great and uh, we are planning on proceeding with our holiday show, uh, which is the, the first full week in December. Great news. Now, I know a lot of the theater company members travel here from all over the United States and stay with residents here. They're, they're guests in different homes. Uh, do you have an update on how those homes fared and, and how the theater company did? We have checked in with all of our staff, uh, and everybody is, uh, everybody is well and safe, thank goodness. Uh, everybody is now uh, back in Sonoma, in the Sonoma area, and we are getting back to work uh, first thing Monday morning. We've also checked in with many of our housing sponsors. I don't know that we've checked in with all, but certainly uh, many. And uh, so far, everything uh, is, uh, is very optimistic. We don't anticipate any issues there. But we do have um, many of our supporters uh, and some folks very close to uh, Transcendence that have lost their homes, uh, which is uh, awful. And so we look forward to uh, doubling our efforts to help and to bring uh, whatever we can do to the community. Great. Well, as you develop those plans and, and those shows or whatever uh, comes out of this, uh, let us know and we'll share it with our listeners so people can participate and, and support. Does Transcendence have any initial thoughts and plans about shows or activities to support fire victims? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, we had a brief meeting yesterday to talk about some ideas of, of how our proceedings. There's a couple of things that we're doing. Number one is our holiday show. Uh, we plan to offer uh, some free tickets uh, to certain groups of individuals, so more details to be coming out for, uh, on that, which again will be uh, the first weekend in December uh, at the Luther Burbank Center. Secondly, we uh, have some artists. Uh, uh, one of the things that's unique about Transcendence is all of our artists actually come from uh, both New York. Many of them are Broadway veterans, and so when they, of course, were seeing what was happening here uh, in, in Sonoma, uh, county, they felt compelled to act. Uh, and they actually, I understand, are putting together a benefit concert that will uh, take place on November 5th, which is a Sunday evening. Uh, details are still being worked out as to the venue, uh, but I understand they have finalized a venue and they will be uh, announcing uh, ticket sales uh, fairly soon. My understanding is that uh, details will be available on our website, uh, which is best, bestnightever.org. Uh, also on our Transcendence Theater Company Facebook page. We're very thankful to our artists uh, for uh, thinking of us, uh, and uh, the support has been tremendous. As an organization, have put together a small fund. Uh, certainly we know that there are a lot of other funds that are being put together, but we felt compelled uh, to uh, create a fund uh, called uh, the Transcendence Rise Up and Recover Fund. And uh, 100% of the proceeds, uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and 100% of the proceeds from this fund will go directly to the community, uh, both uh, from uh, uh, whether they be victims, uh, evacuees, uh, or uh, first responders. 
we feel very strongly that we want to be supportive and we want to inspire. Uh, and so we uh, fully expect that uh, these um, uh, activities of collecting uh, this uh, money will help in some small way uh, to be able to uh, help our, our local community here. Fantastic. Well, if you missed those websites, we'll have them on our own website at OutBeatNews.com, and we'll certainly keep up to date on uh, these fundraising events as they evolve. Uh, November 5th is the date you have set for this special show, right? Absolutely. And then, of course, again, we have our, our, our holiday show. We, we are looking forward to having everyone come out and celebrate the holidays, and certainly we will look forward to offering tickets uh, to those that have been affected by uh, this, uh, this terrible situation. And uh, certainly uh, we, we, we welcome everyone to come back. And, you know, one of the things that's been discussed a lot also is the, um, is the fact that uh, as we get back to our quote-unquote new normal, uh, you know, this area is, uh, is, relies heavily on tourism. And so we welcome uh, those of you around the country. Uh, Sonoma is open for business. And uh, the wineries are open, uh, and uh, and the businesses and the restaurants are open, and and Transcendence is going to be also performing in this holiday show, and we welcome everyone to come out and and support this community. Great, and that is an ideal way to help this community rebuild is to come out and then spend some time here, go to the wineries, go to the restaurants, and invest. Every penny helps. Absolutely. Andrew, great talking with you. Thanks for spending the time. And, uh, you know, thank goodness your house is is safe. I'm glad you and Rob are safe. And I appreciate you being on the show with us tonight. Thank you, Greg. We're so grateful to the first responders and all of the firefighters that came from around the state and around the world to help us. Uh, I'm not quite sure if I have the words to express how grateful uh, we all are. That is for sure. Mm. For sure. Really. Uh, one of the questions that came up was, you know, how can someone support the local firefighters? I mean, there were, as I understand it, 45 local firefighters, Santa Rosa firefighters, who lost their homes. Mm. So while they're out working, you know, their own lives were, were being destroyed by this fire. And uh, the fire station over in Oakmont said that uh, they have set up through their union a funding source like many people have, and there are a lot of them that are out there, but this is the one that the Santa Rosa Fire Department is asking people to contribute to if they so wish to do so. It's GoFundAHero, GoFundAHero.com, and forward slash campaign. We'll put, the web, we'll put a link on our website at OutBeatNews.com. I did check it out, and 100% of the proceeds that are donated to that website will go to the firefighters. I think some of the controversy I've heard with GoFundMe types of, of uh, campaigns is that GoFundMe takes 8% of the contribution. This one, 100% of the contribution will go mm-hmm. to the firefighters. Nice. So if you feel uh, so inclined, that's a great place to go and make a donation. And as I said, we'll put a, a link on our website at OutBeatNews.com. Just look for the center of the page and you'll find nice, that Nice, nice. And remember, the Redwood MP- Empire Food Bank always needs your help um it does certainly now um and and remember as we get farther away from this event i mean it's all still fresh in our memory that um organizations like that will be stretched thin um so again redwood empire food bank you can make a financial donation and you can bring food still they've sort of extended their hours um, go to their website or give them a call, 707-523-7900. They do amazing work. 
365 days a week um, reaching out to folks and um, remember they they need your help now so we've got uh, 20 minutes or so left in the show and I thought it would be appropriate timely to talk about some lessons learned because all of us in one way or another um, have lived through this I think we were all talking on the music break about how fortunate we are that we uh, all have homes to go back to tonight Uh, but we certainly learned uh, from that so Gary what 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 are some of the top things that you learned oh you know again be prepared Um, have a pre-evacuation preparation plan there's nothing like feeling and and we had time we weren't evacuated so um you know we had time to sort of think about it should we go should we stay you know we didn't have power or water for two days so that made it a little rough um (laughs) uh but boy and there are a lot of things we forgot to do so you know just google something like pre-evacuation preparation steps um you know there are many things to do um that you don't even really think about that could save your home um, and, you know, when you hear about, you know, it is state law that you have a defensible space around your home, um, really think about that. And I know it's difficult to chop trees down and it's difficult to pull things out. But um, if, it, you know, if it means saving your home, um, you shouldn't feel squeamish about doing that. Um, we, we live in a volatile area, um, you know, especially folks up in the hills and, uh it's the law, but how how enforceable is it to be realistic? Um, so do your part. Um, uh, try to keep gutters clean. I mean, luckily we had our, our landscapers come out and say, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, we're going to do that, without even really asking. I thought, wow, they're really on top of it. They're really, you know, he's like, this is what we're doing for the folks in this area. Um yeah. Buzz, what do you think? Well, it's interesting. They say you teach what you need to learn, and I'm always <laughs> telling people to have a go bag, even if it's not an earthquake or a fire. Um, they may suddenly find themselves needing to go in an ambulance to the hospital, and if they need a bag they can grab with glasses and hearing mm-hmm. aids and some prescription drugs and and something that will keep you feeling um hole in the hospital, Mm. something that's really important to you, whether it's a favorite book, some poems or something. And then (laughs) as I was preparing to evacuate, I looked at my go bag. There were three very, very stale energy bars. I had used the money I'd put in there long ago (laughs) in case I needed cash. And um, it was pretty pathetic. So I had to start from scratch. Mm. So now what I've learned is um, I have not unpacked my go bag. Um, I'm going to have to refresh those candy bars more often, but um, I'm going to really make an effort to to keep it handy, maybe even put it in put another one in my car, which is um, often when things happen, you're stuck somewhere, right. you can't go anywhere, sort and of your other you home. have no water right. to drink or mm. you're hungry and so yeah, I uh, I that drove it home for me. Mm. How about you, Mary? <laughs> well, one of the things that we were thinking when we were preparing to evacuate, if we needed to, was that obviously we couldn't fit our entire house into the car, um, though that would have been desirable. But what was it that we needed to have that we could not duplicate anywhere else? And I mean, 
there were some wrenches, you know, lots of books, lots of pictures and so on. But many of those were duplicable because we had the pictures scanned onto a, you know, a hard drive. But things like passports, health records, insurance policies, financial statements, uh, cash. That's another thing, especially with power outages, the ATMs may not work. So just having those things on hand, knowing where they are, and being able to grab them at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of, of the go-pack. And, yeah, you do have to rotate out the candy bars of the water because they get a little funky. <laughs> but that's what you would do for an a earthquake anyway. So I think this is true of any natural disaster. This just didn't happen to be one that we were used to preparing for. Yeah. We actually did evacuate, and we ended up being gone for eight days. <clears throat> and it was a it was a somewhat last minute uh, evacuation. We woke up, we smelled smoke, we saw the glow that everybody described tonight on there, but it it, it really wasn't that close to our neighborhood. And then at eight o'clock, we got the word that Oakmont and the surrounding area of Wild Oak was going to evacuate. And so this was a first time experience for Tony and I. Uh, before that, I said, you know, let's grab a backpack, let's get an overnight supply together throw some clothes in it and then you start thinking about what could you really bring uh you know we wanted to take the dog of course and got to get supplies for the dog and all that sort of thing uh but there were a lot of of details that we didn't even think about Mm. for example unlocking your gates to your yard so that firefighters can get in easily so that pg&e can get in easily they came in through that entire neighborhood and turned off every single gas utility Mm. But in our case, they had to take the additional step of, of breaking open the gate to get into it. And so it would have been a lot easier for them had we just left those gates right. unlocked. Going around your house and making sure all your windows are closed. Um, but unlocked. But unlocked so that right. someone can get, so that they the can get in. Right. But, but closing the windows so that you don't have smoke damage. Now, my dad, who was a 30-year career firefighter, also reminded me that you should also take the curtains off the window. Because one of the ways, the fast ways that a fire will start in a house, uh, inside the house, is the heat from outside catches the window coverings on fire. So if you can Mm. do that, pull the windows, the window coverings out. Um, You know, we we made a decision, and animal lovers out there are probably going to hate me forever, but we made a decision to leave our cat. Because thinking about being away for eight days and trying to figure out where to keep the cat, who's largely an outdoor cat, uh, was a problem, right. but we didn't put food out, mm. and so fortunately, uh, we were able to get food to the cat. Yeah, a couple of days later. Well, lots and of people had that make yeah. that decision, and he's totally fine. Large he's, animals. He was and totally, right. totally fine. But, but again, that's that's part of that thinking. Mm-hmm. But Buzz, I really like your idea about having a go pack available. Have that backpack available with some basic food supplies and some cash. Right. You know, got to have that cash. Um, And then the communication system. I thought this county did a spectacular job very early on keeping people informed. Those Nixle alerts were great. If if you had subscribed to Nixle, then you would be getting those alerts right Mm -hmm. away. So for our listeners out there, nixle.com, all you have to do is is send a text to 888-777-888-777. You just text your zip code. Mm Mm-hmm. And that way, it allows the counties to communicate directly with you. So we had instant up-to-date information on evacuation areas, which areas were opened. We got the first word when our neighborhood was left back open. It was was quite impressive. And it covers a nice radius. 
I noticed because yeah. in Sonoma we're sort of fairly close to Napa County, so we were getting Napa things too, and that helped with roads being closed and right. traffic issues. And I thought, oh, that yeah. And someone mentioned, oh, it's like a thirty-mile radius or it's whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, it was really good and so yeah, amazing. So having some communication devices and mm-hmm. some some things pre-programmed in so that the county or the city can can alert you of those important details. And you don't have to think about it in the moment. They right. can also scotch rumors because there were all kinds of rumors yep. flying about yes. Petaluma is yeah. going to be evacuated, right. you know, Katati is going to be evacuated, yep. and they would say, no, these areas are not right. evacuated. Right, right, right. Uh, my hat's off to the city of Santa Rosa. Yep. I thought they did a great job on their website. Uh, yes. There were constant yeah. updates. Mm-hmm. You knew exactly who, what was closed, what wasn't closed. They put together some videos. They had interactive maps that they were building as this thing was going right. on. Right, right. So bravo to the uh, city of Santa Rosa. Right. And also to all of the local media, local radio stations, yes. Yes. the local yeah. newspaper. How crucial are these um, entities to us? Um, KRCB here did an amazing job on the radio and, uh, and TV, on TV and TV doing the press conferences and getting information yep. out. As, and the Press Democrat, too, just amazing work keeping people informed uh, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, so now's the time. Subscribe to the Press Democrats. Subscribe to you know support your local newspaper. E- even the weeklies are we're doing great coverage and are still doing great coverage. Um, and of course, support KRCB. But you know um, how how important is that information? We we were in Texas and woke up to frantic emails, um, and immediately I went to the app KRCB and and went to the Press Democrat um, website was getting all sorts of information listening to krcb radio and um yeah so uh remember those things you know we it's easy to forget yes oh we live you know we can always be on facebook we can always be on the internet well no not always well and i'll tell you there was a lot of bad information yes. on some of those lesser reliable social media sites right um i you know again one of the things that i learned is that our homeowners association has no communication system whatsoever I will say that I did rely a, a little bit on nextdoorneighbor.com or nextdoor.com, whatever it is. Uh, that was pretty good, mm. but but there was a lot of fictitious right. and unreliable information there. And so, you know, there, for if you live in a homeowners association, that should be on the top of your list. Is what what are you going to use to alert everybody in your neighborhood about emergencies right. uh, with accurate information? And that includes people who have disabilities that involve vision, yes. hearing, anything like that. Yes. I had another idea, too. I'm not sure. <laughs> Hopefully I'll do it. Uh, is to scan things like my insurance policy onto a thumb drive. Absolutely. Uh, and some of the important documents that I don't want to tote around with me, just put them on a thumb, thumb drive. Mm-hmm. Well, then the other thing you can do, if, if that's too complicated, if you've got a, a phone that takes pictures, is just take pictures of those documents. Well, that's true. So your driver's license, your passport, your marriage certificate, all of those things, just take pictures of them and keep them on your Good phone. Good idea. Oh, that's a great idea. And, uh, you know, one of the to-do lists that I have is really thinking about how I'm going to back my computer data up. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure that keeping a hard drive at home is the best idea. 
Not at home. Well, that's one of the first things you put in your go bag is you take the passport drives and take them with you. But if you're not at home, right? But if if you're not at home, and so maybe maybe there is a reliable source uh, in the cloud somewhere that you can keep copies of the most important things. Right, right. Or just with a friend or neighbor or relative or at the office. Something off-site, something outside of your house. Speaking of which, that's also something that's been recommended in case of disasters where many of the local phone... um, circuits can be out designate someone who lives out of state Mm -hmm. that everybody who's worried about you can call and then you just call them and then you don't have to call everybody else and let them know you're okay yeah so networking within your your own family and your friends a couple of organizations that wanted to make sure that they know uh or that you all know of their services face-to-face uh will continue to offer support for hiv patients who may have had their medications destroyed in the fire they have doctors on staff, and you can go down to their office on 2nd Street, 873 2nd Street. If you need HIV meds, they will help you with that. And, of course, they're continuing with their free HIV testing and syringe exchange program. Santa Rosa Junior College and Napa Valley College both have tremendous support services for students. So if you're a student who lost a computer or lost textbooks or needs food or needs clothing, both colleges have tremendous services available to support you. SantaRosa.edu for Santa Rosa Junior College and NapaValley.edu for Napa Valley College. Both institutions open up tomorrow. Classes resume and if you're a student, get back to school. Network with your friends and your faculty and get the support that you need. And then for all other needs, uh, I have came across this site today, 211.org. Mm-hmm. So if you go to 211.org, uh, you can find a network uh, for Sonoma County with a whole slew of resources uh, to address a variety of issues, 211.org. And then finally, the other uh, resource I wanted to mention is a link on our website at outbeatnews.com. The Bay Area Reporter did a great job mm-hmm. of putting together a list of resources as well as nonprofit organizations that are collecting money to support fire victims. Mm. And Heather Cassell, the uh, woman who wrote that paper, was at our meeting Thursday and plans on being at the next one. And and, um, It's a great article. Coverage will continue, um, the BAR. Because I know there are a lot of folks in San Francisco who want to know what they can do to help. Yep, yep. Um, And, again, all sorts of fundraisers will be popping up um, for fire relief. Um, First, we know in the LGBT community is Outwatch Film Festival, so pay as you can. Um, Everyone's welcome. All of uh, the profits will be donated to fire relief. We're working on putting that system in place. Again, if you would like to join us Thursday here at KRCB in Roner Park, 6 p.m., you can call me at 584-2006. Um, and we'll uh, let you know what you can do. We've got a group of uh, 20 people. We'll probably have many more, and um, we're really committed to um, helping the folks in in our community um, who have been impacted by these fires. And if you're a victim and you need to get out and get some entertainment away from all of this, when does the film festival start? Uh, November 2nd, opening night in Sebastiani. Theater in Sonoma, um, and and then uh, the three follow three following days at Third Street Cinema, um, outwatchfilmfest.org. Excellent, Buzz. Any uh, last words? Well, I just really encourage people to to make connections. It's really important that during a crisis to have someone you can talk to. So, 
uh, take advantage of some of the opportunities in Sonoma County to come together with your LGBT peers and and talk it out. That's the first step in healing is to express what you're feeling. Great. We'll probably talk more about that next week. Yeah, I think uh, Sharon and I are going to join yeah. us. Uh, we'll do an Outbeat Extra edition and continue this conversation and really focused on recovery and Sharon Dial will give us some great advice on mental health. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up, but we will be back with uh, some final comments right after this. Hi, this is Rick Dean, Executive Director of Face to Face. What if I told you that you could have peace of mind in just 20 minutes and it's free? Face to Face offers free anonymous HIV testing with results in just 20 minutes. Knowing your HIV status can be life-saving for you and those you love. Visit Face to Face in Santa Rosa. Call us at 544-1581 or visit us at f2f.org. Ending AIDS in Sonoma County, 20 minutes at a time. Before we close our show tonight, I want to again personally thank the thousands of firefighters, police officers, EMS professionals, and other emergency services personnel who helped fight these incredible fires. Santa Rosa Police Sergeant Chris Mehuren, San Francisco Police Sergeant Ben Smith, East Bay Regional Parks Police Officer Chris Spencer, and Alameda County Sheriff's Deputy Will Sexty, you're among the many heroes. Thank you for your care. And to the firefighters from the Burbank Fire Department who stopped by to welcome us home, Thank you, and thank your colleagues for saving thousands of homes. And to our local community leaders in CAL FIRE, thank you for pulling out all the stops. In all my 30-plus years working in law enforcement, I've not witnessed any effort like this one. You did a miraculous job, and again, we all thank you. Tune in next Sunday night for an Outbeat Extra with your Outbeat radio team as we continue to cover the recovery from the fires. And if you have questions you'd like us to address on the air, go to OutbeatNews.com and send them to us. Then join us at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. In the meantime, be safe. We wish you all well. And thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. You're broken down and tired Of living life on the merry-go-round And you can't find a fighter but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out Move mountains We gon' walk it out and move mountains And I rise up, I rise like the day I rise up, I rise unafraid I rise up, and I Silence is a quiet 
And it feels like it's getting hard to breathe And I know you feel like dying But I promise we would take the world to its feet Move I won't dance Bring it to its feet And we'll rise. 